Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Josh, co-founder of Urban Valor. Welcome to another episode of the Urban Valor podcast. Our guest today is Marine combat veteran Nick Rodriguez. Nick was inspired to join the Marines by his older brother. During his second tour to Iraq, Nick volunteered for another combat deployment and found himself conducting combat missions in Afghanistan just two weeks after arriving home from Iraq. While in Afghanistan, Nick displayed an amazing gesture of brotherhood by helping a fellow teammate save base moments after being hit by a heavy IED. If you enjoyed this episode, go give us a five-star rating and leave a comment to help support our veterans. The bigger the community, the bigger the impact. If you'd like to contribute your story to Urban Valor and know anyone else who may, reach out to us on Instagram at Urban Valor TV, or you can email us at team at urbanvalor.com. Enjoy the show. All right, bro, we're rolling. All right. All right, so again, man, you're in Hamlin probably yeah, yeah, so I was in um, 2009 to 2010. I was in uh, the Helmand province in Afghanistan. Um, was there on my third deployment. I had uh, volunteered to go with a handful of guys from uh, 1-7 Suicide Charlie. And, and we were crossing deck and going with 3rd Battalion, 4th Marines. Uh, and then we were assigned to India Company. And what was kind of crazy on the ONS on the uh, uh, at the start of that deployment was we had um we were still in iraq when i bought when we volunteered so we came home for two weeks and then we had to deploy redeploy but in that two weeks and us checking in you know everything the deal was that we were going to be combat replacements so we're just gonna we kind of get in where we fit in and and uh you know we're gonna have to learn their tactics you know their their kind of chain of command things like that and wait so you just got back from iraq got two weeks off and then now you're going to afghanistan yeah so we had volunteered and then in iraq we were still in iraq mm. and they were like well we're gonna send you guys home on the advan party right and uh you guys got to go check in uh you don't get any leave you got to go check in with the new unit so we literally got home um wasn't able to leave the base uh but we could we could just be there for like a day or two and then I checked in the guys that were going to be uh, from my unit from 1-7 or from Suicide Charlie. There was like 10 of us, 15 of us, something like that. And I went to go check us in. And when I went to go check us in to the unit, they asked, they requested to talk to me on the side. And uh, I had to go and meet the company CEO and the company first sergeant. And they just told me, hey, um, we just had, um, you know, Third platoon, uh, squad leader, he just popped. And uh, drug pop, and we you're the only one that's been in squad leader's course, so we want you to be a squad leader. Mm. Also, you need three or four more guys, so you can go to your, the, the bunch that you just brought with us, or brought to us, you can grab, you know, a couple of those guys, and you can bring them to your squad. Mm. But you got to go out in the back and go meet them. And... I took my buddy Harris, one of my best friends even to this day, um, and I took a couple other people and, and another guy, Green, I took with me, and uh, we went to go check in and, and meet our new squad, and uh, it just looked like a, it was like a band of misfits, you know, you had it from every age group, you know, you had late 30s, early 20s, I was 20... I was 22 at the time. Mm -hmm. I think I was barely 22. And um, 
part of that group, one of their senior guys was this guy named Junior. And he had, he, he knew that we were coming there to help. And he was one of the guys that was instrumental in helping all the younger guys, all the boots kind of know like, hey, this is, these guys have been through it. You know, these guys, they're coming off a second deployment. They know patrolling, they know vehicle operations. They're going to help us be better. And then they're going to, we're going to be together in this place. That's going to be crazy. And, um, you know, I just remember them telling us, Hey, we're leaving in a week and a half and that's it, you know? And, uh, we get on the plane and, and now we're, now we're, you know, in Afghanistan and this is towards the end of 2009 and we were going to be operating out of the bougie boss pass, which was a historic area where the Russians kind of lost the started to lose the war in Afghanistan in the eighties. And we had to go in there to establish, you know, these patrol bases, um, to start to get with the local populace, to try to help them, to make them understand and help them understand why we were there and what we were trying to bring to the table. Um, but that also meant this at the time, you know, that was kind of like the wild west. That was, that's what it was told to me. You know, they were just like, dude, you're in the wild west now, you know? And, um, I remember the very first day we got there in, in 2009, I went to go do a left seat, right seat. And the very first patrol, that very first day, my guys were back at, at, uh, Camp Leatherneck and I went out and we went to go check. Uh, this, this village that they had already been operating out of for months. And as soon as we get there, they started indirect firing us, but I had never seen indirect fire this way. They were actually in vehicles walking us on a target. They were getting closer with each round and we're still moving. Mm. So I knew the game was different. I knew that the tactics were going to be different. We were dealing, dealing with a very, a very smart enemy that operationally knew their land, knew how to operate the, these big, you know, weapons and be effective. And I just remember coming back to the base and, and I was greeted by Harris and Junior and everybody kind of had these big eyes like everyone, everyone keeps telling you you're going to the Wild West. You're kind of like, all right, right, you know, but I saw firsthand just that, that small taste. You know, and I, I told him straight up, I go, if I, if I could, I'd, I'd request for us to be on, on, uh, uh, be here and be on post. I would, if I could. Right. And they were like, what? Why? You know, we, we're here to get after it. We got to get out there. We got to do this. We got to do that. And I told him, I said, I, I don't think I could do it. Cause I can't see one of you guys get seriously hurt. You know, I had made a choice, a decision that the kind of leader I was going to be was someone that it's either they come home as whole or I, I'm going to be there if somebody gets hurt um, and they're not going to go alone. You know what I mean? They're not right. going to, I don't care where they're at, where I got to pull them out of. I wasn't going to leave them behind. But that was a decision that I had made. You know what I mean? And um, I just remember they kind of didn't get it. And, you know, fast forward now we're, we're like four months in and, you know, 
we've gotten to many contacts and, and the contacts had grown now to complex ambushes where everything started with IEDs because we were using the vehicles a lot um, to get us from village to village because we're talking, you know, 15 miles, you know, 10 miles between each village. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, put that onto how far our patrol base was. So they could see us coming. So that was their plan. You know, we're going to hit them with IEDs, pressure plates, majority of the time, take out the MRAPs, and then we're going to use, you know, every single one of them was followed up by rockets, um, two to three rockets at least. And then it, you know, small machine gun fire came in. Um, and on this particular day, uh, we knew we were going to be going into this, this, this longer, um, uh, mission and it was going to be a couple days. So we were, uh, we were trying to watch a movie and uh, we, we had this little portable DVD player, this little screen. And I had a squad now of, uh, it was coming up on about 22 people because it was a little bit of weapons. We had a sixties team attached to us. We'd have a machine gun team attached to us. Uh, and then we would be either mobile or we'd be on foot, but it was always that big. It just grew. Yeah. Um, and it would be all of us kind of coupled and, 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 and like this, trying to watch a movie. And, and that <laughs> night we decided to watch platoon for whatever reason. Um, and w- junior, who was my first vehicle driver, um, the lead driver, he was so smart and, and really knew the terrain. And I knew I could depend on him for, for him to make quick decisions. If something didn't look right, he was going to take a different route and he was going to communicate that, you know, and he was on his second deployment at the time. And, you know, he had had, you know, a lot of experience under his belt. And so he felt, I felt confident with him there, but he was always a jokester. And we always loved messing with each other and fucking with each other. And yeah. uh, he goes, we're going to, we're going to watch platoon. All right, dude. And he, noticed in there that on the side of the Kevlar, all the guys would have like a, like a playing card or something like that. And, and he went into the USO free bag area and he grabbed the deck of cards and he threw them all out and he goes, we all got to grab a card and we got to, we're putting this on the side of our Kevlars for tomorrow's mission. And I was like, really? He was like, God, we got to do it. We got to do it. <laughs> He's getting everybody amped up. And so everyone's pulling and, I ended up pulling the, the, the king of spades and, um, we, we put it in and, and we left early that morning and we were coming over the bougie boss pass. The way it kind of was, was it was like this, this, like this trail that came left and, and right at the tip before you descended to the right was you could see into the whole valley Mm. and juniors in the first truck and he's getting over and, you know, he's communicating back. The vehicle commander, I should say, is communicating back to me. Um, you know, this is what we're seeing. We're seeing, you know, three, four villages, different villages. You know, we're going to go get the lay of the land on one of the first ones. And I just remember all I was in the fourth vehicle. So I was probably a couple hundred meters back behind Junior's truck. And, and as soon as I came up on the ridge line to descend, I just remember seeing how far Junior's vehicle was. And we had great spacing and everything was great. And this is like 12 o'clock in the afternoon, broad daylight, you know. And I just remember 
getting down and now coming into the valley and I just felt this shock. It, the, the shock blew me in my chair from the tr- in the truck in the dust. It was just like this thundering boom and it did a huge gulf. It looked like a like a mushroom cloud and I couldn't see Junior's truck anymore. Mm. And I just remember hearing this and I thought we was in, I really thought it was indirect fire again. And what it was, was it was the tire, the front, um, right tire, passenger tire. That's where, that's what hit the ID and it blew it mm. to like a hundred meters past my truck. Shit. And I just remember the, the, I just remember looking at it and I couldn't see the truck and I was like, oh, my brother's dead, mm. you know? And so we stopped. We did this like a V suite up and at this time we knew that there was going to be a secondary. We knew there was going to be a back lay. We, we just didn't know where it was going to be at. And we V sweep all the way up to the vehicle. It felt like an eternity. We get up to him and I open up the door and he's, and he's, he's just, he's got his hands like kind of like this. And he looks down at me and he goes, Rod, what are you doing here, dude? He goes, I got to back the truck up. And he thought we were on the base. He thought we were back. We had completed the mission. We were back. Back in the, like and, still in Afghanistan, but back yeah, on the base. But, but back at the base oh. to go get chow. Cause that would be always be our thing is as soon as we get back to the base, we're going to go eat, yeah. you know, and we're going to, we're yeah. going to tear it up. Yeah. And he's like, he almost like looked like in a rush, like, dude, we got to go eat. Like, come on, you know this. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 brother, you were hit. And I could hear the gunner inside the truck screaming because he had he had hurt his hand. And I could hear the vehicle commander screaming because his the blast was on his side. So it was like thunderous kind of ringing for him. And I just remember I asked Junior if he was okay. He, he did the, the nut check and he did the, the arms check. And he I could hear him going like this. And he was like, I think I'm good. You know, and... and I said, okay, all right, come here. So I, I pulled him out of the truck and when he, when he, he, I put him to my right because I knew that that was cover from the rest of the valley. So I put him there and the next thing I know is he's looking at me and, and it, it was like all the, all of the color left his, left his face and he became like kind of white mm. and he just goes, I don't feel so good. And he, boom, he goes, he goes down. And when I say it goes down, he kind of like, he kind of like his eyes kind of rolled and he just kind of went like forward Mm -hmm. and doc comes up and we're trying to assess him. And then he starts telling us like, Hey, like I can't really move. You know, he's in, I think his body's going through an immense amount of shock and um, doc's trying to figure out what's going on. And he's telling me we need to get him the fuck out of here. Right. Uh, We need to call for, air medevac and it needs to be right now we're going to set up a pre you know it's not a pre-pan lz we're going to set one up put the call in so i'm on i'm on the hook i'm getting the call in um and then all of a sudden you know i i'm i'm kind of knee down by junior and he he starts telling me i gotta piss i gotta piss i gotta piss he goes i'm gonna piss myself and it was like one of those moments where i didn't want him to feel like i didn't want to give the enemy the satisfaction of being able to see my brother piss himself. Mm. And 
it sounds, I really don't care how it sounds, but in that moment, it was everything. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember calling out to Harris to bring a water bottle. They had those like really skinny kind of liter water bottles that they'd give us that was, who knows what kind of water it was, but it was, <laughs> it was water. It tasted kind of like water. Right. And he, I told him empty it out and, and, and he was, he was emptying it out and, and he, you know, told me, Hey junior, I'm listen, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to put your dick in this bottle, dude. And you just let it go. Just let it go. And man, you know, he's just pissing in the bottle, mm. you know, and, and junior's face was like complete relaxation. And he was <laughs> like, Oh, you know, and, and, and we just, we just remember we had to get him out of there, mm. you know, and, and, we didn't, again, we didn't want him to feel like he was such damaged goods that he had to piss himself, mm. you know? And yeah. again, I think that that goes with that, that love of you'll do anything yeah. for your brother if you could, you know? What's and, wild is that you thought about that in that moment, like with all the different things going on, yeah. you thought about like, you know... I don't know, for lack of a better term, his pride or something. Like, I need to fucking protect him like this in this way, right? Like, yeah, and 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 I think that to your point, like it, it's it has to be every everybody in the Marine Corps, everybody in the service, I should say, they got their own little taste of how they're going to be a leader, mm-hmm. right? And some people are incredibly smart, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna think their way out of every possible bad turn. And they're going to, you know, it's like this, they just got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wasn't that kind of guy. You know, I, I didn't have that. You know what I mean? But I knew that I could be dependable and I knew that I could love them because that's, that was what I felt I could do better than anybody else. And I could be there for them and I could still know my job and still know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And that that to me gave me a lot of satisfaction because in that moment again I just kind of was like you're not going to piss yourself yeah and uh, and 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 Harris was you know he's the one who was like dude I got it bro yeah pulled it out dude put it in yeah. I think he even made a joke like hey dude it, it won't fit at the top and junior <laughs> kind of chuckled and he goes it's not that big. It'll fit. <laughs> and, and, and even in that moment, dude, you know, it was like we could still figure out a way to, to make a dick joke. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, 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 and laugh, you yeah. know, in the middle of Afghanistan and, and, you know, this MRAP, millions of dollars. It costs millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to get it built the way that you want it. And it's in that moment we could give a shit less. Yeah. We yeah. didn't care about it but we cared about each other. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but it, it is hundred percent truth right. of right. when you care for one another, the way we did and the way that a lot of other units do, doesn't matter if it's, you're there deployed a year, a month, six months, nine months, 10 months, whatever it is, that bond, it can never be broken. Yeah. You, uh, you, yeah. you know, yeah, we were talking earlier, like there's just nothing like it. And you know what? I, I have this com- conversation with every single veteran that comes to, to sit in this seat right here, man. Yeah. It, it's, uh, um, 
the camaraderie, like everybody misses that. That's like the seems to be the most common denominator of, you know, what everybody misses about the service. Cause you know, yeah. When we're in there, we're you know, if you're infantry and stuff, you're like, this just sucks. I can't fucking wait to get the fuck out. We're that, doing a bunch of bullshit, you know what I mean? The best about that dude, you can't stop time. Right. That's the way you would think about your contract. Yeah. Fuck it. You can't stop time. Yeah. I got you got me you got me for four years. Yeah. You got me for four years, man, but you can't stop time. And, and I think you want to get out so, so bad. Man. And I was so lucky because in, in those moments, I, you know, I had my best friend, you mm. know, shower. Yeah. My best friend, he wasn't with me in Afghan. He got hurt on our second deployment. But everybody that knew me within our unit, they knew that, I mean, People thought that we were legitimate brothers. They were like, yeah, it's the stepbrother. Yeah, like yeah. these guys, you know, yeah. because we did everything together. And and I'll never forget, it, it wasn't even really a decision. It was like, we were going to get out and we were going to move in together. Mm-hmm. That was like, we, we had just, and everybody was like, yeah, I'm going to, we're going to go back to Northern California. Or we're going to go back to, you know, Washington or, or, you know, I'm from the East Coast, so I'm going back to the East Coast. And, you know, a lot of people almost felt like I don't want to be around other people or uh, like other Marines or I want to be by myself. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this false sense of of belonging that you feel like I just want to be alone. Mm-hmm. But what you really need is that one person. Yeah. If you're lucky enough, if you're lucky enough to have that one person to go, we're going to move in together. And we became our biggest support system, man. Yeah. Well, you said you were with them since fucking the first day of boot camp, right? Yeah, first yeah. day of boot camp. So, and the only reason why we were fucking next to each other was his last name started with an S and mine with an R and, you know, fucking yeah. alphabetical, right? We'd yeah. Fucking we're like, uh, R, are you in front of me or what? You know what I mean? <laughs> and and uh, yeah, man, that first night going to breakfast or that first morning going to breakfast, dude, I, I was... Uh, in line to get chow, which first of all, I never eaten breakfast at four in the morning before. You're talking boot camp now. Boot camp, yeah. Okay. First day of boot camp, man. Right. And and we had met on the way to boot camp because we were the only ones from like LA County and, and he was from Palmdale. Everybody else had come from outside of like the county. Mm-hmm. So we had people coming from like San Diego, way up north. Like it was just a weird bunch of us that were coming together. And we talked about how our high schools played football against each other. Mm. He played football. I was a hundred. I'm not the fat guy that I'm now. I was a hundred and like 15 pounds in high school. So I didn't play football. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, but we knew our schools and we knew our areas, you know, and we just were talking and we, you know, you're kind of gauging everybody and, and, yeah. you know, you almost feel like you have to make yourself known and you're, you're going there. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of machizo, you know, a lot yeah. of, like, hey, like, I, I got to be a, I got to be a badass, you know what I mean? And, and, um, I just remember we were talking and, and laughing and, and we get to boot camp and we ended up figuring out we're going to be, we have the same MOS, you know, and then we figure out we're going to be in the same platoon. And then we figure out that we're going to be, you know, right next to each other because of the alphabet. Yeah. And, yeah. and so then we go to chow that morning and, uh, I'm there to get it, my food. I put down my tray and I'm kind of like groggy, like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And 
I just hear this guy go, gain weight, third phase. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I was like, I just kind of like looked at him and I was like, dude, there's literally like two people left. It's me and like two other people. And it's the end of the line, bro. Mm-hmm. You you can't wait. Like you're going to get these messed up eggs that you really want them like that bad, you know? Right. And he was like, yeah, get the fuck out of the way. He was like, I was like, what? what? And he goes, oh, and he kind of like put his tray down and he kind of like looked at me and he was like, what the fuck are you going to do about it? And I thought, well, fuck it. So I fucking hit him and dropped, dude. And I was in like, boot oh, camp. In, in boot camp. camp. And I was oh. like, oh, it fucking, you know, it worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all of a sudden I didn't see the guy that was behind him, dude. And these guys were the admon party to come get breakfast early to go back to cover the squad bay. So that's what they were asking. And they were about to graduate, dude. So that's why they said gain weight third phase. Right. They were about to graduate. They were in third phase of boot camp about to become Marines. Yeah. And when the second guy hit me, I didn't see him. And John or Shower started beating his ass. And so then it's us two against those two. And we're fucking them up. And dude. we're smaller than them. But we're just going like we're going crazy on them. They finally split it up, and the, our drill instructors are like, what the fuck is your problem? You know, come here. And then we go in the private, and they go, so what happened? And we're like... They started talking to you normal? Yeah, like, and they're uh, like, what happened? This is what happened. He goes, so wait a minute. So he goes to the shower. He goes, so wait. Why did you get in? He goes, two-on-one. It's, it's an unfair fight. I wanted to even it up. And he goes, i never forget that drill instructor was like, that's what the Marine Corps is about. You never, ever let one of your brothers fight alone Mm -hmm. and we took that and ran with the dude and it really started from there our relationship you know i told him i think after that i told him i was like dude i got your back dude whatever the fucking chills bro like that's that's legit yeah never ever let one of your brothers fight alone that's fucking i had a feeling man that the drill structure was going to respect that you know what i mean oh yeah and Um, and then he brought us out in front of everybody he's like you fucking what the fuck are you doing they you know you for it still, oh right? yeah yeah but 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 like 30 seconds early he was like that's what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. that's what you have to do you have to be there for each other and and that is what they said that's what a marine corps infantryman does yeah so. yeah dude so that's crazy so um from boot camp um i imagine you go to school of infantry right yep um and the story you told earlier about your buddy Junior, that was your third tour? Yeah, so I joined in uh, um, October of 2006. Um, and by the summer of 07, we were in Iraq for our first deployment. So before we get to that, to there, um, if you don't mind, yep. what inspired you to go into the Marine Corps? Uh, my brother, uh, seven years older, is best marine i've ever seen um and he had done so much and you know i was in high school i think i was you know i was getting free stuff for skateboarding i was kind of good you know and and i thought i was a little badass and i was like i'm not gonna go to college Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna figure this thing out on my own and my brother was like you're not gonna figure it out he goes why don't you just go to the marine corps and i was like i i I can't go to the marine corps dude you know what i mean he goes Mm -hmm. well why not he goes, you should go to the Marine Corps. And in fact, you should be in the infantry. And I go, he had said it so many times. And then he kind of was like, oh, okay, I get it. You, you can't do it. Like, you can't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I could, but I don't want to. And he was like, no, I get it. You can't. 
Like, it's all good, dude. Like, you know, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And he, I told him one day, I want to go to the Marine Corps. He goes, all right. So he put me in contact with a recruiter. Dude, I was, I had graduated high school in June of 2006. And I took the, the, new, the soonest date to go. And that was October of 06. Because mm. I didn't want to wait around. I didn't want to. You know, I didn't need a, a year to think about it. I didn't need, you know, yeah. to do like to a different program. Mind. No. Yeah. I was like, for me, I had to have the mentality of fuck it. Let's go. Right. You know, and uh, I'll never forget, man. I, he goes, no matter what job is offered to you, you got to be in infantry. You have to be in the infantry. So I took the ASVAB and I took it with another dude. I didn't know who he was. And, and this dude... Uh, the the recruiter comes out with two with one piece of paper in one hand and like a, a packet in the other mm-hmm. and he puts the packet in front of the other guy and this dude had fucking almost every job that you could be in the marine corps because he scored so high wow and the recruiter was like dude you like let me talk to you about intel let me talk to you about this let me talk mm-hmm. to you about that and he had one piece of paper for mine and he put it in front of me he goes you pass by like two points. You could be in the infantry. <laughs> that was me, dude. And, and, and I went like this. I was like, but the infantry, right? He goes, yeah, man. Sign here, 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 here. Initial gear. You go to boot camp in, in October. And I was like, boom, 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 boom. And this other guy's looking through all of his, you know, jobs. And he's like, you know, what's this? And what's this? And I was like, fuck that. I know what I'm doing, dude. I'm out, dude. Wow. And um, yeah, man. You know, it so, just was one of those things. So you go, you go, you join in October 06. Yeah. Um, and you said a year later you're in your in Afghanistan. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Less than a year later, I was in Iraq. In Iraq. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what unit were you with? 1-7. And then we were, I was assigned to Suicide Charlie. And then um, uh, Shower Johnny was uh, um, assigned to Baker Company. Mm. So there we are again, still in the same unit. And we stayed in the same barracks. The, thir- the second floor was for Baker Company only. Mm. And third was for Suicide. So every weekend we drive back to, to the to the valley where my family was originally from, yeah. and uh, we'd go out. But we were the only ones leaving the base. <laughs> so did you get dropped into a middle of a workup, or, or it was just before the workup? So we oh. were true boots, like true boots mm. of like coming in and gonna learn how to do everything their way, you know. And then um, we go to Iraq. We were in uh, Hit Iraq in '07. Came back like like very early '08. Uh, like like April of 08. And then I was home for a considerable, you know, a good amount of time because at that point I got the opportunity uh, as a Lance Corporal to go to the School of Infantry Squad Leaders course. Mm. And I never forget, I was calling my brother because uh, I was going to be able to stay at his pad because he was stationed in Pendleton. Mm. So I got to stay in his pad in Lake Forest. Oh, nice. And I was like, I get to be there and, and I'm so excited. And he was like, Whatever you're going to the, the it's a squad leaders course. I go, yeah, yeah. They just told me right now, and he goes, dude, I'm so fucking proud of you. He goes, nice. that is. He's like, you're a lance corporal. He goes, and it, and it, and I didn't really know because as uh, an infantry guy, you don't get to do any of that stuff. Yeah, especially you know? lance corporal squad leaders course. That's yeah, I was like, I don't know, bro. They just told me I'm going, so I'm going. You know what I mean? You ain't a squad leader until you're a fucking sergeant. Yeah, you know? exactly. And and so he was like, no, man, like. I got guys that are staff sergeants that have to go through that because he was part of recon and that's part of one of their schools that you have to go through, you know? Yeah. And 
So he was just very proud. And, and I remember shower would come down on the weekends and we'd, we'd talk about some of the stuff I was going through, a land nav and all that stuff, right? And, and then I graduated, dude. And my brother was just like, dude, you know, yeah. you have no idea how big this is, you know? Mm. And then I went back to the unit and, I, and then I was assigned as a squad leader. Um, and now we're, we're pretty much not in the middle, but at the right after the beginning of the workup for yeah. our second deployment. Mm. And with that, we were going to Iraq. And uh, um, So you did two tours Iraq? Yep. Mm. And then in the second one, towards the end, we were like a month and a half away from coming home. And we came in from a patrol and uh, first sergeant said he needed to talk to everybody. And he goes, you know, our sister unit at 29 Palms, 3rd Battalion, 4th Marines is going to be doing their workup right now to go to Afghanistan. And uh, they need combat replacements. Mm. Um, so we're going to ask all you guys. And I didn't really, I, I was kind of like in my heart, I knew I would, I, sh I should go. And then uh, Harris, my boy was sitting right next to me and he go, he raised his hand and and I raised my hand. We actually, there were some guys that were going to be volunteering to go that, you know, they just had babies on their second deployment. And they weren't, they didn't even get, they didn't even get to be home to whether they were going to be a good dad or bad dad. They didn't even get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us that didn't have kids or anything like that, we went in front of them and we're like, nah, like you guys, you don't need to, you know? And, and um, I remember calling my brother and, and, and telling him, hey, dude, I'm coming home early. He goes, why? He knew something wasn't exactly there. And, and I said, well, I volunteered to go to Afghanistan. Mm. And he was like, he was like, hey, bro, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. He goes, nobody. I, I, he's like, I've been operating for a long time. Nobody just comes home for two weeks and then goes to a brand new fucking theater. Mm -hmm. Nobody. He goes, so you have to know that this is a very special moment that you're doing the right thing, you know, and we support you. And my family just, they were, it was tough for them, you know, mm -hmm. definitely really tough. Yeah. I mean, here they are, you know, you're probably writing letters home, making calls when you can, Yep. emails maybe. I don't fucking know what it was like in yeah. 2006. I got, I got a, a little bit of time to, to be able to do emails, but everything was mainly letters. Yeah. Letters. Or calls. Yeah, and, you're, and, and you're probably relaying that you're on your way home. You're going to be coming home soon. And then, yep. hey, yeah, we'll be home for two weeks, but then I'm fucking gone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my father, you know, I, I just remember him. It was like his soul like kind of left him. Mm. And he was like, wow. You know? Another another stint of worrying, you know, hoping yeah, you know, every dude. single day. Yeah, man, and and you know, I think that's a you know, once you get out, you really look at like, fuck, yeah, that you know, because they can't do anything, yeah, you know, other than support, like that. That's it, that's, that's all they can do. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. And, and but you're there living it. You know what I mean? What was uh, what was that first tour like for you? Um, oh, dude, I I just remember I didn't get into a lot of contact. Or anything like that, but I was a boot, dude. Yeah. And it was like, I could be honest with you, man. It was so hard being a boot with some of my seniors, yeah, because they were tough. Yeah. And so by the time we got home, dude, I almost felt like I fucking had been through it. It, it like you, you just had this like feeling of like I'm not a boot anymore. 
Right. Like, yeah. you can't fuck with me Because they put you through the fucking ringer. They it, do. It, no, they it, do. It's boot and, and the infantry, or you go through the fucking ringer. Man. Yeah, I mean, dude, you get nothing to yourself. You know? Mm. No time to yourself. No. Yeah. You're fucking on the working party. Working You're party or post. You're fucking pulling the worst duties. Yep. Like, you know. Yeah, worst sleep schedules, fucking everything, we, dude. You got a fucking 96 this fucking weekend. Nope. R- Rodriguez, you got fucking two shifts. Yeah, and fucking- I'm like, well, well, fucking <laughs> awesome, dude. Thanks. Yeah. Like, you know, and so, but we learned so much when it came to foot patrols mm. and clearing buildings and all of those things were used in Afghanistan. Mm. I was so thankful to be on two deployments because the first deployment we were in hit Iraq. It was very, very, very much a urban environment. It was westernized. There was, you know, uh, cafe, uh, the game cafes, right. They, they loved M&M, right. Like they had, it was so westernized, but the, the tactics that I learned how to keep accountability of all your shit how to treat people within your squad, how to deploy your squad for, for patrols in tight areas, big areas, clearing a building, two-story, three-story, four-story, multiple buildings at the same time, how to provide true overwatch, how to be, you know, looking for a route clearance. What are we looking for? We found so many IEDs, you know, there. I mean, it was insane. Mm. And, but all of that led to my second deployment. Now you switch it and we're, you know, as a country, it's 2008 now, right? And we're about to, it's, it, we're going to leave, you know what I mean? And so that changed it from foot patrol to now vehicle patrols mm. and teaching the Iraqi army, teaching the Iraqi police how to do certain things, mm-hmm. how to, you know, kind of putting the final touches on that mixed in with a rise in, in, in IEDs, a rise in, in small arms fire. And all of that, again, gave me so much. It truly gave me an advantage as a squad leader compared to my other counterparts that had only been to Iraq maybe once and then did a buildup or a workup. Because operationally, they only knew what the workup's going to teach you and maybe what they learned two years prior mm-hmm. in Iraq. And a lot of them probably forgot a lot of that stuff, right? Or a year prior. Right. And so I think for me to be so fresh in certain tactics, not just from a vehicle standpoint, but also, you know, from a, from a foot patrol, I, I, I was really able to teach a lot of my guys how to call for fire, you know, how to do all of these little things that I was doing already. Mm-hmm. It just, I was doing it in real time, yeah. not in a training environment. Right. right so I could right. give them a little bit more of a, okay, hey, you're going to be going through this or think about this. What do we have on? And that's where, you know, from a patrol brief, how to do that effectively and how to get the most out of your buck. So everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody knows their job. And then everybody knows what to do when something goes sideways, mm-hmm. you know? Um, did you uh, did you have any close encounters with, through any of these tours? Did, you, did everybody make it back home with you? Did you? Yeah, no, I was very proud. You know, my squad at the biggest was 22, you know, and six of those Marines were issued Purple Hearts and for various injuries. And I had guys that, you know, were Lance Corporals that had 
like full stack bigger than some of our staff sergeants. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I got to serve with some guys that were just average Joes, people that worked from UPS to Carl's Jr. to Domino's to um, factory workers to working at a gas station to not even working at all, just trying to fucking find their way. Yeah. But they all were hard workers and they were all like these average Joes that just got to rise to each one of these occasions and they never backed down from anything. No matter how bad it was, they never backed down. After doing, you know, these three tours, combat tours, um, you know, what, what was it like for you transitioning out of the military? When did you get out? Uh, October of 2010. 2010. So what was that like for you, you know? Well, I was so lucky to be able to have shower with me. Mm. Because I knew that we were going to push each other to be successful, right? We, 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 we knew we were going to be successful. We just didn't know exactly in what field. I feel like he knew, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And that was become a personal trainer. And, 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 and I mean, I remember he was sleeping in his car, uh, at LA fitness because they wouldn't hire him as a, a personal trainer with clients. He had to like do this networking thing, mm. but not get paid while he's trying to get clients. He wasn't getting paid. And so it was like, he'd have to be there when they open at five in the morning to try to get the early birds, the, the people that were coming in early. Cause then from like eight to 12, everybody's at work. Mm-hmm. Nobody's coming to the gym. Mm-hmm. And then from like 12 to two, they had a, you know, some people coming in for lunch, but then the rush would start at like four from like four to 10 and you have to be there all day mm-hmm. just trying to hustle. And you could look at his car, dude, his car was just full of Tupperware mm-hmm. because he just, he was, we were all, we were both on a budget. We we're just going to school with the GI bill. We're not making any money, mm-hmm. you know, but we're there pushing each other and we're there caring about each other. And we, uh, we'd come back from like job interviews with people like, ah, oh, you don't really have a lot of experience. Yeah. And it's like, that's some crazy I don't know. I don't know hear, how much right? more experience I could have. Dude. You know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. but to that constant like, dude, fuck that, fuck him. Like yeah. you're gonna find something, and and him grinding, and 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 made me want to be better. So it was like we were helping each other in so many other ways than just verbally listening to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's that's a huge fucking. Uh, benefit for you to be able to get out with one of your fucking brothers like that best guys you know i mean it makes it a lot i'd imagine it'd make it a lot smoother transition you know because most people you know they don't have anybody doing combat tours and stuff like you come out and you feel fucking alone you know yeah i mean and and you feel like i don't know what to do you kind of thought you knew what to do right so was there ever a point, you know, do you, do, you know, having been through all that you've been through, man, did you ever uh, come to any point where you've noticed anything different about yourself? Like, did you, did you, yeah. did you ever go into depression? Do you deal with PTSD? Like what's yeah. your mental health like getting out? Yeah. I think for me, it took me a little while to really kind of like actually admit like some of the shit that I had went through was not necessarily normal. You know what I mean? And, and. But Johnny was there the whole step of the way to go, it's not fucking normal. Mm-hmm. It's not. But we got to figure out a way to like talk about it with us mm-hmm. and when to bring it up in other outside situations because you're going to be judged about it. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to bring that stuff up. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things that he was, we both were 
you know, kind of reminding each other is, is we're not really owed anything. And it's, it, you know, I remember my brother told me one day, he goes, listen, dude, nobody fucking cares. You still got to get up and you got to go out and grind. You got to make something good. Of, you got to make something of yourself in a positive way. You know what I mean? You have to do that because nobody else is just going to give you anything. Yes, you did all these accolades and these things for the country. And yes, there's some cool things, you know, out there. Sure, yeah. But if you don't know where there are or what is there around you or available, you just got to grind and you got to get out there and you got to make something of yourself. If not, you're going to be, you're going to get left behind. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's definitely difficult, but I remember just, you know, again, I was so lucky, dude, to be with Shower and, and being able to talk with my brother. Mm. I mean, so are there any things you do, Nick, now to, to you know, manage those feelings? Uh, you know, what, what type of things do you do? You know, some people choose exercise. Some people, you know, they, 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 they put themselves in a position to be working towards a certain purpose or helping people. Like, what do you Yeah, do? so I really love the fact that we're able to, to John, it pushes me in the gym. Um, but family keeps us looking at the brighter side of things. You know, I'm an uncle to three beautiful nieces mm. that, you know, life, they love life, dude. You know, mm. I mean, kids, man. They, yeah. They, and yeah. It, it's the pure joy of the innocence of they. You know, life hasn't come and hit them in the fucking mouth, but when it does, you kind of get to be there because you've put in the work to, to let them know that you're there for them, mm -hmm. that you're, they don't ever have to go through anything alone, mm -hmm. truly alone. Right? right. Um, so taking that time to really look around and breathe that, that, that beautiful kind of air, man, it sounds kind of, it, it sounds like cliche, but when you take that moment and, 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 you know, we're just there barbecuing mm -hmm. and we look at each other and we're like, dude, we used to be not be able to do this. We used to struggle to make rent. We used to struggle to do it. Now we're, you know, where are we going to eat at? What are we going to do? You know, we want to go on vacation. We want to go do this. We want to do that. But yeah. we're working our asses off to get to that point. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think the last part of that is just trying to help out other veterans, you know, mm. help them, you know, feel like. They're worth it, right? They're worth everything and they deserve, if you put in the work and you put in the effort, you deserve to be happy. Mm -hmm. So don't rob it from yourself, you and, know? And, and, you know, here, I preach it all the time here at Urban Valor, um, every fucking veteran, like yeah. not just a combat vet. Like right. if you fucking signed a contract and you gave up a portion of your life to serve your country yeah then you know it's a fucking big deal you know what i mean yeah um regardless of whether you know because you know i i guarantee you almost every single fucking marine if they were in your shoes they would have went to combat and did the same fucking thing it's yeah. just you know it, and and uh, to your point i love that because i always tell people it just wasn't in your deck of cards right it's all right though right it's all right it's all good right you know yes I hope maybe one day if I'm lucky enough to become, you know, a father that my kids will dig my military awards mm -hmm. and dig my ribbons and all that stuff and 
And yeah, you know, I love it. You know, I, I, ha- I look at them a lot because it reminds me, it grounds me and, and really kind of goes like, don't forget who you are. Don't forget what, what got you through all those times. But now you're more, mm. right? And ne- you know now you can keep going, and and you know everybody has a little bit different. Some people you go in their house, there's no veteran stuff up. Yeah, it's like almost you you have to constantly remind yourself to always apply the lessons you learned during those times of struggle, like yeah. in war, in combat, and, and yeah. it, it doesn't go just for combat. It goes for any time anybody fucking struggles. You yeah. learn a lesson. You know, you go through the fucking suck. Mm. Yep. You teach yourself something, you learn something, and then, you know, the point of that is to always learn to apply those lessons that you learn. Because sometimes we forget. Like, I used to, in Iraq, I remember I used to pray to God and say, God, if you just allow me to fucking get home, make it home, I don't give a shit if I'm homeless for the rest of my life on U.S. soil, I will be fucking grateful and thankful. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, and I think, to your point, it's just, you just want to get back. Right. Right? You just want to get back, and, and then once you do get back, you're like... Dude, there's so many things I want to do, right. you know, and, and so just having that, that positive mental outlook on it, I think is something that's really big that's not really talked about a lot, right? Yeah. It's like, yes, we talk about the bad, but there's so much good mm-hmm. and so many funny things. And, mm-hmm. and then it, you really do have to stop and call some of those people and keep that constant contact because life will go at a million miles an hour. And the next thing you know, it's been four years. You haven't talked to anybody. You don't keep up with anybody. But now you can leverage social media. Yeah, there's a lot of bad shit on social media. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of... There's different views. and But it is what it is, man. Yeah, don't but, pay attention. To yeah, that. but you can be... You can keep contact with so many of your guys. You get to mm-hmm. see them with their kids. You get to see them become fathers. Yeah. You know, and, and, and mothers. And, and, and be able to... Whether you're a good dad, bad dad, doesn't matter. But you get the opportunity to be mm-hmm. one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, man. But um, we're gonna get ready to cut cut it now, yeah. man. But uh, before I do, I always I always uh, ask uh, everyone if there's any last words or anything you want to get in there before we cut the tape. No, yeah, I just want to say thank you. You know what I mean? And and um, you know, I I'm lucky to be able to have the kind of people that in my life, you know what I mean, that I did. Um, or that I still do. And, and, and I don't take that for granted, but I think what you're doing is going to give people the opportunity to just talk to each other Mm. and get a different perspective and a different view on things. And then guess what? Now we can talk about good things too. Mm. Right. And not, it's not always just about the bad. It's about how can we truly help each other, Mm. you know, in in a non-selfish way, because when you truly help somebody from the Avenue, I don't want anything in return. It's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey, thank you for being here, man. It takes a lot of courage to come sit in the seat. So um, I fucking appreciate it, man. Thanks. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here, brother. Push it to the limit. I can't go no more. Red light. No way I'm coming back.